What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to the Pomp Podcast, simply the best podcast out there. Now let's kick this thing off. Graham Jenkin is the CEO of CoinList. They recently ran a survey to about 4,000 of their users and asked them all sorts of things. From what technologies do you plan to use in 2022 to what are your favorite use cases for blockchain technology and even whether you think that other countries will soon follow El Salvador's new Bitcoin adoption. I really enjoyed talking to Graham about this survey and I hope you do as well. Before we get into this episode though, I wanna quickly talk about our sponsors. First up is crypto.com. They're helping to mainstream the crypto industry, signing major global partnerships with multiple sports, including Serie A, the Italian Football League, the UFC, and my personal favorite, Formula One. With over 10 million users around the world, Crypto.com offers an easy way to buy and sell more than 100 cryptocurrencies. You can even buy Bitcoin with as little as $1. New users enjoy 0% credit and debit card fees in their first 30 days as well. Crypto.com also pays some of the most competitive interest rates in the industry. Find out how much you can earn by visiting Crypto.com. They are Visa's biggest crypto card partner. My listeners across North America, Europe, and most of APAC can apply for the slick metal card offering up to 8% back on most purchases and comes with amazing perks like 100% rebate on your Netflix, Spotify, and Amazon Prime subscriptions. Get $25 when you download the Crypto.com app today using code POMP. Again, $25 if you go download the Crypto.com app today using the code POMP. You can click on the link in the description or you can go to the app store and search Crypto.com and download it today. Go check it out and let me know what you think. Next up is CoinCloud. Did you know you can buy and sell crypto with cash? I want to introduce my friends at CoinCloud. They're more than just a Bitcoin ATM company. CoinCloud is the world's leading digital currency machine operator. They've been around since 2014 and have thousands of machines across the country. You can buy and sell Bitcoin, Dogecoin, Cardano, and over 30 other digital assets. No connecting bank accounts, no long waits. And if you have questions, you can speak to a live U.S.-based customer support rep 24-7. I've had a lot of Bitcoin ATM companies reach out, but CoinCloud is the only team I've found that does things right. They put together a special offer for listeners of the show. You can get $50 in free Bitcoin when you buy $200 or more at any CoinCloud machine and use the promo code POMP. Again, find your local ATM at coin.cloud slash pomp, coin.cloud slash pomp, and use promo code pomp. Last but not least are my friends at Eternity. You might have noticed just how many NFT projects are coming onto the market lately. The problem? It's becoming harder and harder to determine the true lifelong value of NFT collectibles. Meet Eternity. The world's first authenticated and licensed NFT platform trusted by over 150,000 members. On Eternity.io, you can buy digital NFTs and redeem real-world unlockable collectibles and experiences. At Eternity, our team believes in transparency and legitimacy. That's why they partner directly with the individual, the team, the brand, or the league, so you know what they buy is the real deal, with value that will stand the test of time. So visit Eternity.io to register for upcoming collections, buy and sell in the marketplace, and much more to come from the app to packs to virtual worlds and gaming. Go visit them at Eternity.io. Again, that's Eternity.io. All right, let's get in this episode. I hope you guys enjoy this one. 
Anthony Pompliano runs Pomp Investments. All views of him and the guests on his podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Pomp Investments. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp or his guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his personal opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. We've got Graham from CoinList uh, who's joining us. Graham, how are you? I'm doing awesome. Good to meet you guys. How's it going? Absolutely. Great to see you. Uh, we got a whole bunch of stuff we're going to go through. You guys have kind of all these trends and predictions for 2022. But before we do that, maybe give us a very quick kind of overview in terms of uh, CoinList itself, the platform, the product suite, what you guys do. Yeah, sure. So CoinList is the premier new token issuance platform, uh, which means that we help find some of the best new emerging crypto projects. Uh, help them raise capital, help them build their communities, help them be successful in all kinds of different ways. And uh, we've built projects going way, way back to Filecoin in 2017, uh, Algorand, Solana, um, Immutable X, Mina, a bunch of others. We've helped about 25 projects launch uh, publicly, at least on CoinList, and then maybe another 40 that we've run private sales for. And uh, around about 20% of the top 100 crypto assets by market cap have had some kind of relationship or help from CoinList and getting there. Um, so that's kind of our bread and butter. But, uh, you know, we, over time, we've expanded into a bunch of other things. Uh, so initially, we just focused on token issuance. Then eventually, we realized that a lot of these teams needed help distributing tokens to investors. And so we ended up building out a service for that as well. And then we realized that we had a bunch of tokens on the platform and users were just moving those tokens out to Binance or somewhere else uh, to trade or land or stake. And so we ended up just building out those services as well. So now you can participate in token issuance on CoinList, receive your tokens here, and then trade, land and stake on the one platform. So it's a one-stop shop for crypto early adopters. So that's a bit about us. Amazing. Uh, when we get into the 2022 trends, I'm just going to kind of go through a bunch that uh, that seem to have kind of bubbled up from uh, from this report. The first is that the most in-demand category for all of blockchain technology in 2022 is gaming, which I think would surprise a lot of people. Why do you think gaming, uh, there's so much demand for it? And then how do you see that actually playing out in the market? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, gaming is an interesting space in that I, I think, you know, our audience that participated in the survey that have these help us derive these predictions. It's a pretty smart audience. These are early adopter types. They've been participating in token sales for a long time. And so they've got some insight as to what may be happening down the track, maybe a little bit more than a technical analyst. So, uh, so I think, uh, you know, it's a relatively smart audience and uh, you know, gaming, I think the thing about gaming is that it's, it's not so much just about games themselves. Uh, it's really more about, kind of the ecosystems that are being developed by these projects. Uh, and maybe the best way to, to think about that is uh, you guys probably know about Valve Corporation, the creators of uh, Half-Life and other great games. So they created uh, a marketplace called Steam and Steam's a marketplace for gamers. It's also a community. It's it's a, its own ecosystem. And you know what we're seeing with some of these crypto projects that are focused on gaming is that they're essentially building Steam, but Steam on steroids. So it has the marketplace, it has that community and ecosystem. Uh, these are also, they tend to be layer twos or roll-ups. So they address a lot of the kind of scaling and expense issues that you might ordinarily see with building directly on Ethereum, say. 
And uh, so, uh, and then on top of that, they also have the financial dimensions. They've got wallets, uh, there's a currency, uh, there's a financial ecosystem as well. So uh, that's really kind of one of the big trends that we're seeing. And we, we saw that with, obviously, you know, Sky Mavis has done a great job with Axie Infinity. But what a lot of people aren't really looking at is Ronin as an ecosystem, not just as a wallet, as a wallet but also as its own side chain. And, uh, you know, we've worked most recently with the Mutable team who put out Immutable X, which is kind of their equivalent. They're the creators of uh, Gods Unchained and a bunch of other games. So, uh, so I think that's kind of one nuance that when we talk about gaming, it's not just purely about games. It's really creating these gaming ecosystems, uh, you know, steam on steroids, as it were. The other thing that I think uh, people are really excited about is that, you know, in crypto for the longest time, there's just, just been massive user experience challenges. Uh, it's been really problematic for a lot of ordinary humans to, to engage with crypto, uh, not just as a technology, but as a set of services, whether it's through DeFi or, or other systems. And, uh, you know, I think what's going on with gaming is that there's a recognition that the kind of UX needs that you have in creating games, uh, not just in terms of the, the sort of skill or challenges that you need in order to participate in games, but just, I'm just talking user interface. Like these, these systems need to be usable. And uh, I think there's a, a recognition by our community that, you know, gaming could be the way, or at least one way that we start to address a lot of these usability and UX issues in, in crypto more broadly. So I think they're kind of the, the two nuances that, that we're seeing. Yeah, that's very, very uh, interesting. When you think about uh, where a lot of this stuff is going to get built, uh, you've basically gone out to the community and said, hey, wh where are you guys looking, right? Wh where else uh, are people going to be building? And so uh, the specific question was around what blockchain beyond Ethereum uh, that they plan to interact with most in 2022. And 56% of respondents said Solana, followed by Binance Smart Chain at 48.8%, and then Polkadot at 47.9%. I think that those three would be the three that people would suggest, but there seems to be pretty high percentage of interest in things outside of just Bitcoin or Ethereum. How do you read into that? And, and kind of how do you think that uh, really manifests itself in 2022? You know, I, I think there's a, there's a couple of nuances on this too. It's kind of no surprise that uh, if folks on CoinList are going to be talking about Solana, just given that Solana is, uh, you know, we, we ran the Solana auction in early 2020. And, and so there's quite a few uh, happy Solana auction participants on CoinList. So obviously they're going to talk about Solana. Uh, you know, I think, I think really what, what's happening is, is a couple of things. Like one is that um, there's still the vast majority of developers is still on Ethereum uh, and it's an incredibly vibrant ecosystem. Uh, there's a lot of tooling that's already been created by developers on, on um, Ethereum uh, we don't really see that changing, but I think we're definitely seeing a lot of developers moving away, moving to Solana, moving to Algorand and other chains. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, part of that is scalability. Uh, Ethereum's on its way to solving a lot of scalability challenges. Uh, Solana and others have, have definitely kind of jumped ahead there in, in some in some ways. Uh, I think a lot of consumers are probably more excited to be participating in applications directly on Solana and other chains, mainly because uh, gas fees are problematic on Ethereum, at least Ethereum layer one. And so I think uh, that's kind of encouraging a lot of developers to move to other chains. Um, you know, that said, I do see that uh, Ethereum is still probably going to be where the vast majority of action is happening. And to solve a lot of these scalability problems, we've already seen uh, quite a lot of progress. Uh, you know, the merge, the Ethereum merge is due to happen at some point. 
2022, who knows, maybe 2023. But, uh, you know, at least this year, we've started to see another aspect to scaling on Ethereum pick up a lot of steam, especially around sidechains, rollups. Uh, we're seeing that with, with Arbitrum, Optimism. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of activity on these L2s, on these rollups, on these sidechains, and they address a lot of the scalability challenges that I think developers have, have had with respect to developing on, on Ethereum layer one. Solves a lot of the gas fee issues, transaction speed issues. Uh, and so I think what we're going to see is, is a lot more activity uh, on those rollups, on those sidechains and L2s uh, where the transactions are happening on the rollup and then eventually settling on Ethereum layer one. Uh, we're definitely starting to see a lot of that. Uh, but then also more and more developers moving to other chains. And I think in the long term, actually, it, a lot of the stuff, should, we should just be thinking about this as being plumbing, right? I mean, like back in the early days of the internet, you know, we we're very obsessed with you know, different protocols and we we're obsessed with the technology. Eventually, we got to the point where we're just transacting, we're just doing e-commerce, just doing search, and all the protocol stuff we just ended up just viewing as plumbing. I mean, I'm really hoping that we get to that at some point soon, uh, because we're still very much obsessed with the technology, which is actually super cool. But, uh, you know, I think uh, ultimately, these systems are meant to solve real use cases, solve real problems, uh, as opposed to just being, you know, uh, us just obsessing over the technology. And uh, so hopefully that may not happen in 2022, but hopefully in the next couple of years. How do you think about that, right? In terms of the user experience and kind of the interfaces, obviously on the internet, I always joke that like nobody cares what technology Google uses. They just know they type in a box and they get an answer. And it's like amazing experience, right? Uh, but there was the protocol wars, uh, at, you know, during kind of the building of the internet. And so it sounds like you believe that very similarly, there's going to be these kind of protocol wars and debates about technological architecture and infrastructure. But at the end of the day, 25 years from now, people are gonna be like, dude, I go to this website or I go to this, uh, you know, kind of product. I click some buttons. It does what I want. It's amazing. Those fools that had all those arguments, you know, 25 years ago, like, thank God that they had the arguments, they figured it out. But like, I couldn't tell you what the actual technology is. Is that kind of how you see the world playing out, you know, in an overgeneralized way? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's right. It's going to take a while for us to get there, though. You know, I think um, and I think there's a couple of reasons why it's going to take a while. I think I think one is that uh, we're really just starting to see the emergence of inter-blockchain protocols. Uh, IBC, which came out of uh, Cosmos, is a great example of that. It's it's allows uh, developers to you know potentially build on Solana, have transactions be executed on Solana, but arguably you know end up being settled on Ethereum, and, and the users just couldn't care less. Uh, and so I think um, the the more that uh, protocols or projects or efforts like IBC uh, get pushed out there, the less we're really going to care about what protocol people are developing on, et cetera. But I, I would kind of just put one proviso on that, which is that the, the fact that there are markets, there are currencies associated with each of these protocols just creates, as you guys know better than anybody else, like creates these tribes where people are very either rationally or irrationally obsessed with number go up with respect to that token. And I think that ends up that that kind of tribalism is something that we didn't really have in the uh, kind of early Internet, you know, but we have it now. And uh, and it's incentivized by markets, liquid markets. And those liquid markets are really important. They're, they're not just fun. They're really important. Like you need to have those liquid markets in order to incentivize miners or validators to secure these networks. So it's super important. 
but uh, it does create a big distraction, does create this tribalism. So I think that's going to slow us down and getting getting to the point where uh, we're, we're looking at this ecosystem as a, as a set of applications and, and don't actually care about the plumbing. I think we're going to care about the plumbing for a little bit longer. Um, but, uh, but, you know, hopefully uh, we end up getting there. Who knows when? John, what questions you got? Yeah, so when asked about the NFT use cases, it seems like a lot more people, 40, 40% of them said the metaverse is interesting and they're bullish on that. And 37% said gaming, but tickets was only 5%, memberships was 4%, and crowdfunding was only 4%. How do you think about NFTs in all those environments? Yeah, uh, you know, I was, I was kind of quoted earlier on this year as saying, you know, I think NFTs are a little bit overblown. So, you know, maybe I'm not the right person to ask about this stuff. But, uh, you know, I think what, what we've seen happen with NFTs is, is, um, is that, you know, in, in, you know if, if people are talking about metaverse real applications with respect to NFTs, I mean, what, what we're seeing is that NFTs are almost like a gateway into community. And, uh, you know, all of these, a lot of these, uh, these NFT um I guess offerings on on OpenSea or, or what have you, they they really end up being kind of the keys that give you access into some kind of community, whether it's a DAO or something else. And within each of these communities, you're seeing lots of conversation, lots of discussion, lots of innovation, and uh, lots of alpha. And uh, I think over time, what what we're actually starting to see is that a lot of the a lot of the projects that we work with, from a marketing standpoint, they want to try to work out how do I get how do I get access to that community? How do I uh, market to them? How do I build a relationship with them? And, uh, you know, I used to work at Google. I used to work in, in AdWords. And, uh, you know, dating was, was something that we were very much obsessed about there. And our customers were very obsessed with that. And, uh, you know, I think we've just got this really unique, new, bizarre form of targeting emerging uh, around NFT communities. And uh, I think we're going to start to see more and more of that in 2022. I don't know if this answered your question, but, I, you know, just thinking about NFTs, that's, that's definitely one big trend that I'm seeing. Yeah, I think we could see a correction. But one thing I've always been fascinated with is the NFTs is the ticket part of it. And why can't the issuing company, team, whatever it may be, get part of that resale value? If I buy a ticket, I sell it to Anthony, Anthony sells it to you. Like, why can't they get part of that instead of Ticketmaster as the platform getting part of that money? Oh yeah. That's super cool. Yeah. I think, and I mean, same applies to artists, right. Yep. And uh, you know, I think there's, there's definitely going to be a lot, a lot more of that activity. Uh, I mean, it's just been such a unleashing of creativity, especially generative art. And uh, I think we're going to see a ton more of that going into 2022. Um, yeah. You know, there's, there's so much uh, weird, bizarre, easy to write off activity going in <laughs> off in the NFT space. Uh, but uh, it's definitely something that's going to continue to be a, a rich source of innovation in crypto. I agree. Graham, we obviously saw El Salvador kind of plug their entire country into Bitcoin uh, and the network, the Lightning Network, uh, and also the Bitcoin Network. They've done everything from buy Bitcoin. They've made it legal tender. They've built out a whole network of ATMs. Uh, they're helping to facilitate their citizens with remittances, et cetera. Uh, one of the survey questions was all around, uh, do you expect other countries to go ahead and do this as well. And uh, a large portion of respondents said, yes. What's your take on El Salvador, Bitcoin, and like other countries potentially following suit? Yeah. El Salvador is an interesting one. I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to um, think that El Salvador is necessarily going to be kind of the pinup nation that all other nations are going to follow in a, in a Bitcoin. Uh, but I think the principles hold, which is, which is that, you know, it's, it's a, uh, it's a great recognition 
of the the quality of what the Bitcoin network represents, right? You're talking about uh, you know, very secure, very secure network. Uh, you're talking about uh, transparent activity on that network. Uh, I mean, there are going to be more and more nations that eventually do this. Um, I don't know if they're necessarily necessarily going to say that they're just following El Salvador, uh, but uh, but I think it's 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 definitely going to happen. Um, and uh, you know, one of the interesting movements that is going on in the U.S. I think is uh, just to name one project. I don't like to name individual projects, but but one project that I think is super interesting is, is CityCoin, uh, which is you know allowing municipalities. To, to issue cryptocurrency and then benefit from uh, transactions with respect to those networks. Uh, and that earns them revenue, which they're very excited about. So it's almost kind of like this backdoor way of getting um, broader uh, governmental ecosystems and communities engaged in crypto. And, um, you know, I, I, think, I think the more that that happens, I think that that's, it's almost kind of like the bottoms up way of getting uh, communities addicted to and engaged in uh, in the set of technologies. And so, yeah, you're going to have more, more countries saying, okay, top down, we're going to adopt this currency. But I think you're also going to see bottoms up adoption from a municipality standpoint, from a local government standpoint. Uh, looking forward to seeing how that plays out. Grim, how do you evaluate new projects and tokens? Yeah, you know, we kind of view it as it's almost like an early stage venture fund. So we get uh, we get referred projects from uh, our investor community, and uh, you know when we when we take a look at those projects, uh, you know we're going to look at the same set of dimensions as you might if you're just looking at an early stage any early stage company. So we're going to look at uh, the team, uh, who are the founders, what have they done before, what's their background, what schools did they go to, what have they built before. Uh, so that's number one. Number two is the product itself. So what is the what does the product do? Is it a DAP? Is it a protocol? Uh, you know, what market is it tackling? Is it tackling a market that's going to be of interest to our community? Um, so that's kind of the second thing. The third thing is traction. So what have they built already? Have they already launched Testnet? Uh, how many users are in their uh, Telegram channel or the Discord uh, servers? Uh, so that's kind of the third piece, traction. And then the fourth, fourth piece would be social proof. So who's invested, who's advising, um, all, all of that stuff. So that ends up being kind of another strong signal too. And so we take those four different dimensions and then you kind of get a, a mosaic. You get an aggregate picture of the team, what they're doing. And uh, you know, we, we run investment committee or the equivalent of investment committee on, on Mondays. And uh, folks on the team are writing up investment memos. We review the memos and we thumbs up, thumbs down. So it's, Similar to an early stage venture firm, and uh, we try to keep that quality about high. Nice, that's a great way to look at it. What's been the biggest surprise of 2021? When we look back for the year, uh, the biggest surprise is is uh, um, really kind of the the bull market, which uh, was just ferocious with respect to new token issuance. Like we saw toward the end of last year. Actually, maybe just to throw some numbers out there, toward the end of last year, we had about 150,000 28 day actives. And, uh, you know, now we're at about 5 million 28 day actives. And uh, a lot of that has really been driven by what we've seen in uh, the new token issuance market. Uh, you know, we weren't expecting the kind of volumes that we've seen. 
we wouldn't expect any kind of growth that we've been seeing in, in new token issuance. It's just ferocious appetite for, um, for new token issuance. And it's obviously not just on CoinList, it's industry-wide. So, so that kind of demand definitely took us by surprise. Uh, we've had to take some drastic measures to try to scale up and uh, still got a lot of work to do there. And, uh, but, you know, we're eventually getting on top of it, but that, that ferocious demand is something that we just, we're not expecting. That was definitely the biggest surprise for us. Yeah. The, the other thing that I think is really interesting too, is as more and more people become, uh, interested and educated in this industry, more and more of them are choosing to store, uh, the majority of their wealth or, or their funds, uh, in digital assets, whether that's stable coins, Bitcoin, something else, whatever we've seen study after study that highlights that. How does that change some of that investor demand from uh, what you guys are seeing? Yeah, I mean, I think it just boosts it dramatically. You know, uh, you know, there's um, a lot of folks out there have uh, done really well just holding Bitcoin, and that's been really profitable for a lot of people. Uh, but then I think there's a lot of folks out there that just recognize that okay, I've got I've got to take a portion of that and try to make some earlier stage bets. And uh, you know, that I think that's something that we're definitely seeing. Uh, and uh, you know, I think there's there's almost an aspect of portfolio philosophy or portfolio strategy with respect to crypto holdings. I think, I think a while ago, people were saying, you know, you should have you know, X percent of your net worth in U.S. equities and X percent of your net worth in, I don't know, bonds, if, you, if people still do that, uh, and then maybe 5% in crypto. And, uh, you know, I think now what we're seeing is that uh, it's, it's shifted a little bit. So a lot of folks that are on our platform are like, okay, well, I'm 100% in crypto, and, uh, but it's portfolio strategy that just zooms specifically into crypto, where I might have the vast majority of my holdings in Bitcoin. I'm going to have a, a chunk of my holdings in uh, kind of you know, newer assets, uh, a chunk of stuff that's in uh, you know, pre-launch assets. And, uh, and so I think that ends up playing out in terms of the kind of demand that we're seeing on CoinList. Yeah, that makes makes a ton of sense. Uh, last thing I'll say is uh, the community. There's tons and tons of questions about the Coinless community here. How do you think about uh, interacting with them, managing them? Uh, you know, good actors, bad actors, spam. Like, there's all these things that I think uh, happen in large communities like this, especially when uh, money and investing is involved. Uh, just any thoughts there in terms of like how, as the community's grown, you guys have uh, have looked at the policies or, or the way that you interact with uh, with the community. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's been, it's definitely been challenging this year, uh, just given the kind of growth that we've seen, but, uh, you know, one of the things that we've, we've tried to do is, um, you know, give our users, uh, some kind of quality score as it were, like to what extent are you as a community member on CoinList contributing to the success of projects? And, uh, the way that we express that, um, is through a program that we call Karma, CoinList Karma. Uh, it's essentially, it looks like a loyalty program, uh, but you end up scoring points based on, based on those contributions. So if you're a, a validator or a miner, you get a chunk of points. If you uh, have demonstrated a long-term commitment to projects through token sales, or if you're a developer, you get another chunk. Uh, if you're more likely to stake assets instead of dump them, then you're going to get some additional points. Uh, and so that gives us an aggregate view of the kind of contributions that community members on CoinList are able to make to projects. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about this program. And, and if you think about, uh, say, what Vitalik has been saying a little bit just around, um, you know, governance and the fact that it's really just kind of the, the large coin holders who get the vast majority of weighting in terms of their vote, 
Um, and, you know, that's an okay system, but it's somewhat imperfect because it doesn't really measure the contributions that team members are making or individuals are making to these projects. Uh, and it means that, you know, the VCs and the early team members have kind of all of the weighting in terms of voting. So, you know, what we're excited about with Kama is that that kind of balances that out a little bit. It means that it's not just the, the size of the assets that you're, that you're holding that determines your value to a community. It's the contributions you're making. Are you a developer? Are you committing code? Are you running nodes? Uh, and that ends up um, being weighted pretty heavily too. So, so yeah, so Kama is a big part of the way that we're trying to, you know, address issues of how we manage community. And, uh, you know, we're rewarding folks to have high Karma by giving them access or easier access into the projects that we'll see on the platform. So, uh, and that's working out pretty well so far. Yeah. It, it's, uh, it, it's fascinating when you start to think about um, kind of how that's evolving. Uh, where can we send people to uh, follow you on the internet or to learn more about CoinList or, or uh, sign up? CoinList.co is the place. And uh, I'm Graham Jenkin on Twitter. And, uh, you know, we're also on Twitter, obviously. So CoinList on Twitter is great. Uh, but yeah, coinless.co is the place. That's me. Awesome, man. Well, listen, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. The survey was, uh, was super interesting to kind of see what everyone's thinking about. And we'll definitely have to do it again if you guys run it next year. Yeah, absolutely. And next year I'll be wearing one of your, uh, holiday sweaters. I, I bought one this morning. Let's so. go. <laughs> cool. Let's go. I love it, man. All right. Well, you have a great, uh, holidays and then we'll, uh, we'll talk in the new year. 